drive driving quite a variety of cars. Uh, we're both on the North American Car of the Year jury, and uh, a tremendous variety of, of uh, cars. Maybe no, I, I kind of wanted to to lead off the program talking about trucks because trucks traditionally, when folks uh, think about trucks, they think of the, of the Detroit Threes. Um, offerings that are always good. Um, but this year, the truck category is a little, looks a little, uh, different than, uh, than, than normal. I mean, there's some, some real variety in here. There's a little, uh, truck called the Ford Maverick. There, the, there's a $115,000 electric truck, uh, the GMC Hummer, uh, as well as some familiar, uh, badges like the Nissan Frontier and the Toyota Tundra. What, what did you make of, what, what do you make of uh, this year's truck of the year contestants? Well, Henry, I've been on this jury for a long time, um, and I think it was the most diverse selection of trucks, and by trucks, it's pretty much pickup trucks we're talking about, uh, that, I, that I've ever seen. And like you say, the new Nissan Frontier, mid-sized truck, very conventional, the frame carries over from the old truck, new interior, you know, really upgraded interior in that truck, and for those that want a mid-sized truck with no bells and whistles uh, and can get, you know, long bed, short bed, uh, cab and a half, four-seat cab, uh, you know, the Frontier is kind of where the baseline of, of trucks today. And then you go up from that to the new Tundra, um, you know, really all-new truck, hybridized, uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of carrying the mail for, you know, for Toyota in terms of full-size trucks. And then we get into, we go down quite a bit for the Maverick, which we've talked about on your show before. It, it, to me, I, I've got to admit, it, it's really kind of my lead candidate for, for truck of the year. Uh, it comes in as a standard hybrid. They just announced the EPA numbers this year, 42 MPG. Some of our colleagues drove this truck, Henry, around Ann Arbor, the Ann Arbor area during our testing and, and got over 50 miles to the gallon driving around town. So the Maverick is basically based on Ford's uh, uh, C-segment utility chassis, has a four-and-a-half-foot bed, and uh, I, I can't say enough good about the Maverick, but it, it really kind of starts this new, this new kind of unibody uh, pickup trend, which we also had the Hyundai uh, Santa Cruz, which is a little bit sportier than Maverick, but it's also a uh, unibody utility-based short bed, four, four-door, four-seat pickup truck. And then the real surprise this year was the two big electrics that, uh, that came in. A few of us very expected them to make, uh, make the testing this year because they're just really kind of just getting out the door. And that was the Rivian uh, R, R1T or RT1, I get, always get that mixed up, and the Hummer EV. And uh, so we really had this spectrum of, like you said, uh, over a $100,000 electric brute on the, on the GM Hummer, all the way down to the little Maverick and everything in between. It was just a great, great uh, sampling of, I think, the incumbent technology in trucks and what's to come in trucks. Well, and Lindsay, why, why do you think this is? I mean, we, we've had years uh, uh, in, in the past. I, I should uh, remind our, our listeners, you're the editor of SAE Publications, so you, you've, you've got a really good sense not only of the product on the road, but also the technology stream that is coming uh, through the industry. 
But we've we've uh, over the years we've we've seen uh, often a dearth of trucks in the in the uh, in the truck segment. Uh, just sort of this regular cycle through the big uh, trucks, the Tundras, the F-150s. What's what's going on that we have this incredible variety from a twenty thousand dollar unibody Maverick all the way up to a hundred twenty thousand yeah. dollar electric. Well, I think the, the two interlopers this year are certainly Rivian and the Hummer EV from General Motors. And they're really the first shots of what's coming for full-size pickups, and that, that's electrification. You know, uh, Toyota chose to go to kind of a mild hybridization of their Tundra. Uh, Ford decided to hybridize the smaller Maverick. But here are the first two shots across the industry's bow in terms of What's to come? Now, we know there's a Silverado EV coming from GM. It's going to be introduced at the CES show in January. Uh, we know the Ford F-150 Lightning is well along in development. Uh, so from the two biggies, that's coming. You know, we're assuming Stellantis has an all-electric Ram uh, in development. But, you know, Rivian and Hummer really, uh, the companies are coming in because, Pickups are the biggest volume segment of the industry by far in North America. And, you know, this is where you've got to get scale. This is where you've got to get customers. And, uh, you know, regulations are forcing these companies uh, to to go electric. You know, first hybrid and then electric. GM has made the decision they're not going to hybrid. They're going right to electric. So this Hummer, as the engineers have told me, is really kind of it's a flagship it's got four-wheel steer. It's got a function called crab walk where really you can kind of pivot around obstacles. Of, you know, if you're off-roading, pivot around trees and rocks uh, with this feature that's really spectacular. It's, got, it's just full of technology, and that's why it costs a lot. It also has a, almost a two-ton battery in it to give it range and give it capability. It's a 9,000-pound truck, uh, and it's a monster. It, it it drives smaller than it looks, you know, than it is. It, once you get it going, uh, it's, it feels like a smaller truck, but there's no question when you're in this thing, you know, it's, you're, you're in command of the road. And uh, it's, it's kind of, I was telling my wife this morning, you know, driving this thing, there's, it's electric, so there's no combustion noise. There's no exhaust noise. A little bit of gear whine like you have in most electric trucks, but it's got such big tires on it that, I think the truck is ultimately noisier on the road than a conventional, say, Silverado or GMC pickup because it's got these monster tires on. Yeah, there's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're looking for everything in one truck, the uh, all the latest stuff, the uh, the Hummer EV is uh, certainly the one to look at. But if you're looking at an affordable truck, particularly in an age where uh, you know, average transaction prices for trucks are at about $50,000. The Ford Maverick is just an, an incredible uh, bargain. So a, a tremendous amount of choice uh, there. Let me, uh, let, me, let me sort of move on to the SUV uh, segment because I think one reason that you're seeing uh, vehicles like the Ford Maverick and Hyundai Santa Cruz coming into the market is because they – uh, the, the unibody chassis, uh, SUV unibody chassis are so good that manufacturers now think that they can sell pickup trucks off of them. Yep. SUV of the year, uh, boy, I mean, the favorite's got to be the Ford, uh, Bronco, but some really good stuff in here. The, the, um, Hyundai Tucson, uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee, the first, uh, Jeep Grand Wagoneer we've seen, uh, in a long time. What do you make of the SUV segment? 
Well, my my ringer and my right now kind of lead candidate is the Volkswagen ID4 uh, because it's all electric. Uh, it's really kind of like the people's, you know, this is the people's car company Volkswagen, but it's kind of the people's electric vehicle. It's moderately priced. You know, I mean, loaded, it's kind of like $40,000. Uh, but it's got good range. It's it's got a beautiful interior that's very functional. VW just is kind of always led for a long time in interior trim and layout and so forth. The, the car just feels really nice. It feels light. It's it's flickable. It's parkable. Um, and and but you know, like you say, we've got we've got Grand Cherokee new all new. We've got Grand Wagoneer coming in. Uh, both of them hybridized, not electric. Uh, we've got yeah, and, really, um, and, and 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 Jeep is one of those rare brands that can uh, sell to mainstream as well as a, as a luxury buyer. I want to I want to bring Lauren Fix in here because Lauren's uh, been able to join us here at the latter half of the segment. Lauren, uh, welcome to the program. The Car Coach, uh, widely read across this uh, country on platforms from Fox News all the way uh, to her internet uh, channel. Uh, Lauren, do you think anything can beat the Ford Bronco in the SUV segment? Well, thanks for having me, guys. And hi, Lynn. I just saw you both in person last week. Um, I think the Ford Bronco takes the cake. I think it's very, there's a lot of great products. And when you think about what makes a statement, what makes consumers say, I want that, and then look what you're seeing on the roads. I mean, I live in Buffalo, New York. I have seen more full-size Broncos, not Bronco Sports. Full, I call them full-size Broncos everywhere. People are ordering them like crazy. The, the feedback and the input from it, just from consumers already, says it's a winner. I mean, and I love I love everything that's offered from a manual to the wild track to a first edition. There's a lot of stuff that um, that I really think makes a huge statement. Yeah, and you know, an interesting uh, thing, too, uh, about Bronco is for the very first time uh, at our – Car uh, utility of the year drive this week. Ford had two hard top Broncos, a short wheelbase two door and a long wheelbase four door there. And, you know, I think your listeners, at least the ones in the industry, Henry, know that this is Ford has had a major supplier problem with Wabasto, which is the top supplier of this truck, uh, getting, getting, you know, fit right, color right, dimensions right, and the the Broncos, I think the ones most of the ones that Lauren has seen and I've seen around Detroit have been soft top vehicles because a lot of people have ordered this hard top and it hasn't been available. And so it was it was really good to see two hard top vehicles in our testing, which bodes well for maybe they're getting the, the hard top situation under control. I will tell you though that yeah, the soft top is insulated, so I think it makes a big difference. So it makes it have a the same decibel rating for sounds for the passengers uh, riding as a Jeep. So when you're going head-to-head with that Wrangler, I think that's a huge category. But I mean, I hate to overlook things like the Tucson and the ID4 and some of the other great product on the list, but I, I, there's, I'd be shocked if it wasn't a final three, and I'll be even more shocked if it's not a winner. Yeah, I yeah, think it's, it's definitely uh, a final, you know, such a, a it's final such a, three for a remarkable. Sure. Yeah, and, and and you know, and and speaking of the the issues with the roof, I mean, this is this is an all new vehicle. I mean, the the chassis is based on the Ranger, but boy, I mean, there are, there are so many features on this vehicle. It's it's remarkable to me that you can that you can bring anything this complicated 
this diverse, given its on-road and off-road expectations to market without having some sort of problem. So I hope they get things uh, uh, fixed uh, in a hurry because the demand is through the roof for the Ford Bronco. Last uh, category, car of the year. Uh, cars, of course, have been uh, shuffled to the back burner. The customer, consumer these days, if they're not buying pickup trucks, they're, 70% of their purchases are SUVs. But uh, real, some really good cars here in this lineup. And, and once again, I, I think the favorite here is the Honda Civic. Honda Civic, generation after generation, keeps raising the bar on what is possible in a compact car. The base Civic we've tested, very, very good. Eventually, it's gonna. This platform is gonna give us another Type R. Uh, what, what, what do you guys think? Is uh, uh, Lauren? Is there any anybody who can beat Honda Civic? I don't think so. I mean, honestly, I do love the Genesis G70. It is one of my favorite cars, especially if they had a first edition color that was this flat gray. And I was like, wow. Uh, and, and the Mercedes S Class is spectacular. But you're not talking about a mainstream vehicle, and. And because I'm only one juror of 50, I do know that the jurors as a whole typically vote for something that is reasonably priced. And you're talking about a vehicle in that $20,000 range. The Civic is made here in the USA. It, and actually, I drove one from Detroit back to Buffalo for five hours. And I'm riding into thinking the technology and the safety, especially like the active cruise control and all standard, really impressed me. I was not happy with the seats. I find them to be really uncomfortable. But that's me. We're all built differently, so you have to sit in these things. And I'm not driving the smaller one. I'm driving the 1.5 liter engine. So, and it, it was great as far as getting me there. 37 miles to the gallon. I didn't feel like I was leaving too much behind for the price point. But uh, yes, I would love to have a Mercedes S Class win, but that's not mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, what do you think? Yeah, I, I got to go with the Civic. Uh, I had I had a new touring uh, Civic uh, right before we went into this testing mode, and then driving a car again, uh, it it really reinforced just how good this is. And you know what we're seeing here, particularly with with traditional sedans, which are waning on the market, is just about everything is just really so good, you know. Uh, but the Civic is that is, is very mainstream. It's an affordable car. It's got fuel efficiency. It's got super quality all over, which pretty much it's always had. But it just seems like the the uh, sophistication of the car and the refinement is just is just so good. I agree about G70. Love it. Um, you know, Mercedes S Class has never really been an act toy. Uh, uh, you know, candidate just because it's always been priced kind of to the roof and um you know but i i think i think civic is you know civic is the car and you know another candidate was cadillac ct5 which i drove right after i drove the id4 volkswagen so going from an electric uh, kind of mainstream electric to kind of like a super muscle cadillac with just a booming exhaust you know sounds great all this visceral kind of audible quality to the car Sticks to the road, Brembo brakes, big power, you know, the whole thing. But I got to say that to me, the CT5 felt like an old car after driving a lot of these other vehicles. It, it seemed like from another era. If, this, if the current CT5 had been available 10 years ago, it would have been it would have been beaten BMW, beaten Mercedes, etc. And so, you know, lucky people today that buy them and want a combustion engine kind of a muscle, you know, super sports car. Uh, the CT5 is a great choice. The one I drove was $113,000 that was in the tent. So, you know, again, this is kind of at the 
this is kind of at the S class level, but but it just seemed like you know if, if we were driving this ten years ago, it would have been great. It just felt a little old uh, to me. Yeah, I love it. I, lo- I love I love that car, but I think the yeah the CT5. I mean, it's it, it's so visceral, so emotional. I think it's uh, you know it's really what people look for in a performance car. We're gonna and we're gonna talk to. Uh, 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 Jake Lingham and, and Robin Warner about it here in our next uh, segment. Uh, uh, Lindsay, thanks for joining us. Lauren, thanks for joining us. Everybody, uh, uh, look for Lauren's stuff at the Car Coach. Uh, read SAE publications for Lindsay. There's great stuff there, and we'll have them back on soon when we get to the finalists. Thanks for having us, Henry. Thanks, Henry. Yeah, you guys have a great day. All right, uh, we're going to take a break here, hear from our sponsors. And on the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about that Cadillac CT5 in black wing form. This is a fabulous car. You're on Car Radio 910 AM. Every home needs a computer in this new age of technology. Get a computer for only 200 bucks. Can't beat that price. Call All About Technology now at 313-218-4888. That's 313-218-4888. We're All About Technology. WADL gets a facelift and is now My 38 Detroit. Along with a facelift comes new programming on Mondays at 8 p.m. Catch a two-hour block of Law & Order SVU. Tuesday, Chicago Fire. Wednesday's Dateline. More Dateline and Chicago PD on Thursdays and on Fridays. You'll get more Chicago PD to start your weekend. We'll still have some of your favorite shows like Mom, Blackish, and Friends. Just adding more for you to enjoy on My 38. Hi, this is Regina Ross, your Neighborhood Black Club Chair, with the Neighborhood Update of Events. There are many cancer awareness events, COVID explanation, abusive women conference, climate change events, big changes with Les Brown, black women empowerment, and some of our monthly black club meetings are Garden McFarland, DeSoto Ellsworth, Beaverland, Constance, Parkland, and Far West Detroit. If you're interested in visiting a church, how about New Visions Baptist, Missionary Baptist Church, Unity Baptist Church, or Triumph Missionary Baptist Church? This has been Regina Ross with the Neighborhood Update. For additional information, contact Regina Ross at area code 313-310-9364. Again, until next time, Regina Ross. After January 14th, Microsoft will no longer provide security updates for Windows 7. Continued use will leave your PC vulnerable to security risks. Call All About Technology today at 313-218-4888. We're all about technology. Get your refreshments and tune into WFDF 910 AM Superstation, Saturday, October 23rd, 2021 at 7 p.m. for a good college football game. Enjoy the clashing of Hellman's as the Ohio State Buckeyes take on the Indiana Hoosiers at Indiana. Who else but 910 AM can give you this much excitement? I'm Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News. You are on car radio in full swing here on Saturday. Well, I just had a stream coming through here talking about cool cars, classic cars, hot rods, muscle cars. We've got a great lineup for you today. Best car radio show in all of Michigan. Catch it all right here on 910 AM Superstation. 910, the Super Station, the oldest radio station in town since 1922. 
Welcome back into Car Radio. I'm Henry Payne, and uh, picking up on the uh, last segment, uh, we were talking about North American Car of the Year, and uh, one of the candidates is the Cadillac CT5B Blackwing, uh, sensational car, uh, going to be competing for Car of the Year with some pretty uh, tough competition, including the uh, uh, Honda Civic and uh, Lucid Air and some others, but for just pure uh, on-track V8 enjoyment, I, there there is not much out there to compete with the Cadillac CT5 uh, V today, and its junior partner, the Cadillac CT4V, which is powered by a twin-turbo V6. I'm joined by Robin Warner and Jake Lingeman. Uh, who joined me up in Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago to enjoy these track athletes on track at Pittsburgh International Raceway. Robin, Jake, how are you guys? I'm doing great. Henry, thank you from you, Henry. Uh, Jake, of course, uh, both Jake and Robin, uh, they're both good friends of the program. Uh, we've had them on the show for uh, a number of times. Uh, they're both former Auto Week reporters. They're hanging out their shingles. Elsewhere these days, Jake is with Car Buzz. Uh, Robin Warner uh, has his uh, has his own YouTube channel, RobinWarner.com, uh, and uh, so you can find them uh, there. But um, you know, I I, I always love uh, Auto Week guys, car and driver guys, because they all know how to drive. And uh, you guys are both great drivers. You love taking cars to the track. And I always say to folks. Uh, uh, Jake, that that if you're gonna if you're gonna explore a Cadillac CT4 Blackwing or a CT5 Blackwing, you have to take them to a track. I mean, you can only truly understand these cars when you take them on track. Yeah, they're the capability in those uh, in those two cars is, is frankly uh, amazing. And um, and yeah, to explore all of it, you definitely need to be on the track. We did some road driving as well, and they were. Uh, surprisingly comfortable, but uh, but they really shine on track, especially with the, the precise steering. And that was like the first thing I noticed with uh, the CT4 that I drove first. Uh, Robin, you've uh, you've raced uh, you've raced in very competitive race cars, um, as have I. Jake Jake's got a Mustang that he takes to the track. Um, I you know you get into these these are sedans. I mean these are luxury sedans. These are Cadillacs. <laughs> And I, you take them onto a track like Pittsburgh, which is a very challenging uh, uh, roller coaster track, and they're they're incredibly competent. I mean, uh, were sedans always this competent? Oh gosh, no, 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 not at all. And th- you can tell that Cadillac put a lot and time of a lot of time and effort into really dialing these cars in to be just as Jake said, nice and precise. It's really easy to apply power early and quickly. You've got a good feel of what the front end is up to. You've got a good feel of how much traction you have left as you're adding power. It's just a really wonderful car. And you've talked about it being a luxury sedan. The brakes hold up to intense track use just fine. That was probably my biggest single takeaway is Cadillac made sure you had solid brakes to help you slow down when you have to. Yeah, I mean, we, we flogged these things lap after lap after lap. I was, I was, I was, I was also doing launch controls uh, out on the back straight, and th- these things never—they ne- never blinked. They were like Porsches. I mean, you, you could you could just drive them hard. I never got uh, 
brake brake fade, Jake. The whole the whole morning we were out there on the track. I I, I really found that surprising. No, same here. And uh, as much as uh, we do like to, I do like to complain about the um, <clears throat> brake by wire stuff. Is, is it brake by wire? Because I know it was adjustable brakes, which is um, a new thing that has just come around the past few years. But that is the most important thing to me on track. I mean, more than power, more than almost anything is confident brakes because you can't learn a track without being confident that you're not going to slide off it. So that, and they, like you said, they, they held up. We were doing, what, three, four, five laps at a time, uh, back to back and back to back all day. And, yeah, I felt nothing in, in the way it fade. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's really impressive. And these, the CT4 Blackwing has 472 horsepower, I think, and the, and the CT5 has 668. I mean, it's the same engine, Robin, that uh, Corvette stuffed into the last generation Z06. It's, uh, it's an extraordinary uh, extraordinary engine to put in a sedan, but this is this is the last hurrah for Cadillac uh, V8s for Cadillac gas engines. They're kind of, you know, they're they're kind of going away from the alphanumeric age, and they're uh, competing against the BMW M3s at the Nurburgring. They're going back. They're going to call call their cars uh, Lyric and Celestique, kind of like the old Eldorado and and um, and Brogham days, they're, they're kind of going back to the old Cadillac with these uh, big electric sleds that they're planning. What do you, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, you know, it's the last hurrah of these engines, but boy, oh boy, it's one heck of a hurrah. 658 horsepower, and that sound from that supercharged V8 is just so mm-hmm. addictive. And we were talking about speeds. You know, I was, I was just under 140 miles an hour in a couple of places at Pittsburgh racetrack and just having an absolute ball laughing out loud. And so it, it, it there is a lot of parts that it's sad that we're not going to see future versions of these incredible engines, but it is just, there's just this huge inertia heading towards electric Cadillac. Cadillac wants to be at the front end of that. And I can understand that sentiment. So, if you're if you're going to say goodbye, say goodbye with some gusto, and they definitely did that here. Well, <laughs> you know, I want, I want to add, um, you know, the Blackwing story, the name story is super interesting. They they made this twin turbo 4.2 liter V8. They only put it in the CT6 for six months or something like that, and then it it went away completely. And we were, we were, yeah, and we were we were understandably sad about that. But then you know, a, a year later, they come up with these two uh, these two flamethrowers. And, um, you know, the, the, the Celestique and the Lyric are both fantastic-looking cars, and we've already seen that electric can do, like, the pull the, the speed and the Gs of these, you know, these same V8s. Um, we will be missing the sound, obviously, but I think uh, it's not like our track days are numbered, but big old ice engines like these are probably numbered. But, you know, you, you know Jake, you go out to a place like Pittsburgh, uh, really demanding track. Uh, it's got S's, these switchback S's, very challenging on, on, on any car. And these, these two sedans, uh, uh, held tough through the, through those, um, uh, through those S's. Uh, these are 3,800 and 4,200 pound cars. Uh, you, you put equivalent battery packs into these kind of cars and you're, you're well north of 5,000 pounds. I, you know, I, 
I wonder if, if folks like us, you got a Mustang, you like to go to track days. I, I, I've got uh, 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 gas-powered race cars. I, I, I wonder if electric translates to a, to a track. I mean, you need, you need lightweight. Um, you know, you need to be able to change directions. I, I wonder if it's going to be a while before electrics can, you know, can rival something like these black links. Well, I think, you know, power-wise, we're obviously already there. We've seen seven, 800-horsepower electric cars, but you're right. The weight, the weight is, still the, uh, is still the issue. But, I mean, just like, uh, you know, as the cells advance and, and um, get smaller, the weight will get less. And, you know, it, won't, it might not be soon that we're, that we're putting up the same, the same lap times and the same type of cars, but um, I could definitely see it happening. Of course, like I said, we'll all be sad um, without the sound of these, uh, of these engines. Yeah, yeah, it sounds just uh, glorious, and, and and every engine's different, you know. I mean, uh, uh, the the Mustang sound is different than these uh, uh, essentially Chevy uh, V8s um, uh, that you find in the CT5. They all have a wonderful personality, you know. Robin, we uh, we, we were out there at the track with uh, Johnny O'Connell. Um, uh, he's, he's GM's hot shoe. He's won more races than any other. Uh, GM racer, Cadillac really put the money into uh, making this a performance brand over the last 20 years. They went to uh, Daytona, they dominated uh, IMSA. Um, did, did, do you think it? Did, do you think it worked? Did, do you think people ever accepted uh, Cadillac as a uh, as a as a uh, as, as a high performance brand? Not in the way that they give. Uh inherent credibility to Porsche or BMW M or cattle or uh, Mercedes AMG. And that's really a shame because the product was there. The product was very competitive really throughout. And, you know, these two cars now are just another great example of that. But, you know, it, it's, it's just Cadillac built something over decades, but, BMW, Porsche, Mercedes, well, they did it for decades more. And uh, that that was the hard thing is that Cadillac was kind of always playing catch-up to the German motorsport subdivision brand. Yeah, it's a, yeah it really requires a commitment to... Uh... To 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 to, uh, to compete at that level, and, and you certainly hope that Cadillac's making that commitment now as they transition to electric and really going head to head against Tesla even before they get to the Germans. But but uh, but while we got these uh, these gas engines, I think people are going to really enjoy them. Jake, the, uh, the 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 feature that I really liked on this, and and it's shared with the with the new Corvette C8. Is there there are there are two buttons on the steering wheel of of these Cadillacs the the the, the Blackwing CT4 CT5 that you can really dial uh, not not just the drive mode but you can really dial in the kind of handling uh, that you want using something called PTM. Did you did you use that a lot? Yes. Oh, it was lovely. It's, it's the perfect thing. I mean, it's race it's race car tech for the road, straight up. I mean, so it has, what, five or six modes uh, going from wet to dry to sport to track to track or race to race or whatever. And each one giving you a little more, um, uh, you know, just moving the, they said that, you know, kind of moves the grip coefficient where it'll, uh, it won't, it won't catch your, you know, won't catch your slide until a certain point. And as you go up in the modes, it gives you a little more angle, a little more yaw until it catches you in. 
And I was kind of in the one of the middle modes until I talked to uh, O'Connell, <clears throat> and he said, uh, he said, try the race one. He said, but if that slows you down, try race two, because race two will let you get a little more slide, and it won't, uh, you know, uh, cut the power as hard. And I switched it to race one and then to race two. And darn it, it did make me faster. Um, and, and it goes back to the confidence thing. Like, it will, even in that race two mode, it will still save you if you're, you know, if you spin more than 90 degrees or 60 degrees or something like that. But you can kind of get in it, you know, and, and find that limit and kind of dance over it a teeny bit uh, without worrying that you're going to, you know, completely bend the thing. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's amazing, Robin. Um, you know, we, we you know, you, the headliner on these cars, the headliner on the, on the CT5, the CT4 has always been, Good. I mean, I, I think that car, since it's get, since the get get go, has been right there with the uh, Alpha Julia and the and the uh, BMW 2 Series is the best handling uh, 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 small sedans out there. But the CT5 was always a hammer. You know, it, it had this big uh, 600 plus horsepower V8, a uh, lot of lot of uh, lot of aural excitement with it. But this generation, because of these electronics we're talking about. This thing is really an electronics wonder, and you can't do this in, in uh, race series these days. I mean, IMSA kind of outlaws all this stuff. Uh, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, this CT5 I think is a uh, is a is a is a more approachable track car than some race cars. Yeah, that's it's fascinating you put it that way, and I think that's very true. I think what's critical though is. All the electronics can ever do, really, is support and enhance the foundational chassis that's here. And this is a fantastic foundational chassis. And what it's critical that what Cadillac did not do was add an all-wheel drive system. This is a rear-wheel drive car with really good inherent front-to-rear chassis balance that just gives you an excellent place to start so that when the electronics are aiding you little bits here and there, just as Jake was describing, it just enhances that inherently good feel. So, yeah, it's kind of funny that you can do things in street cars that you can't do in race cars, but it's for the enjoyment of the person that owns the car because you feel a little bit more like a race car driver without having to be too worried about getting yourself into very expensive or painful trouble. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's uh, the, the technology that's uh, able to harness uh, 600 plus horsepower these days is marvelous. All right, last question uh, for both of you guys: um, Which one do you get, Jake? You get the CT4 V Blackwing, or you get the CT5 V? Yeah, both obviously excellent. Uh, I want to say one thing: the one thing that I liked more about the CT5 was that you could really hear when you needed to shift. The CT4, that twin turbo V6, it was kind of smooth where I hit the red line a couple of times without noticing that I was getting so um, so high up in the revs. But if it was me, I'm taking the CT4 because 472 horsepower is right about my speed. Uh, the 668 and the CT5 I found a little bit scary and a little bit uh, monstrous. Um, so CT4 for me. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, Robin. Robin, how about you? Yeah, so uh, the, in terms of just, like, pure track car, the CT4 is a little bit better. It's got sharper turn-in, uh, shorter wheelbase, so it reacts to things a little bit faster. And uh, 
it's just a little bit quicker through the corner apexes, yeah. But the engine in that CP5 and the just abundance of power you have at all times and that noise, oh, my God, that beautiful, beautiful supercharged noise. I, I'm way too addictive. CP5 all the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Yeah, you mentioned you you almost hit one one forty on the back straight of uh, that's right. The back yeah. straight of Pittsburgh. Yeah, <laughs> you just want to go to the moon with that that engine. It's such a uh, it's such a wonderful feeling. Well, uh, Jake Langeman with Carbuzz, Robin Warner, Henry uh, with uh, RobinWarner dot com. Great, great to have you guys on. Thanks, Henry. Thank you so much, Henry. Yeah, you guys have a weekend. Hope you're driving something fast this weekend. <laughs> Same to you. <laughs> yeah, cheers. All right. Uh, yeah, great to uh, great to talk to those guys. Uh, uh, we've had a lot of fun over the years, and uh, we we uh, really enjoy uh, seeing them at, at the track. And we had a lot of fun up there at Pittsburgh uh, International, uh, driving the uh, all new Cadillac uh, Black Wings. But they are also uh, a, a swan song. Uh, for Cadillac, um, not just Cadillac, but the industry is under enormous pressure these days to go electric, uh, not because the customer wants that. They're only about 2% of sales in the country right now are electric uh, vehicles, uh, most of them Teslas, most of them in California. But uh, the, the governments uh, around the world, from China to Europe and now uh, in California and Washington and the United States, are increasingly forcing emissions laws on auto manufacturers to force them to go electric. And uh, we have on the line with us now James Taylor, who is the president of the Heartland Institute, uh, the premier uh, think tank in the country, Chicago-based, um, that looks at the data surrounding the uh, uh, so-called climate crisis that is driving a lot of this regulation. And uh, James is not seeing the crisis. James, how are you? Doing very well, Henry. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, always uh, great to have you on and, and kind of put uh, the auto industry in perspective in the larger uh, debate these days about emissions. You, just got, you guys just completed your 14th international conference on climate change in Las Vegas, uh, a, a robust conference as ever. You bring in uh, experts across the spectrum on environmental issues, uh, particularly global warming issues. You've got climatologists. Uh, you have fellow uh, experts there from the Heartland Institute. Um, you, you have writers. Um, what, what, uh, how's, the, uh, how's the landscape look, like, look right now from your all's perspective? Well, we're fighting an uphill battle against the media propaganda and the indoctrination of students in schools. Uh, but nevertheless, the, the American people are intelligent, they're discerning. Uh, so as long as we continue to put out uh, actual data, uh, I'm still optimistic that we're going to prevail. And we just had a very enthusiastic, energetic conference in Las Vegas. We had many of the most prominent, learned, accomplished climate scientists in the world presenting the evidence, the hard data, uh, showing quite clearly that we're not creating a climate crisis, and it's unlikely that we're going to do so any time in the foreseeable future. The, uh, you, you in particular, um, uh, you, you had, you had uh, uh, some experts from Germany I want to get to, because Germany is, is probably as far along on this as any economy in trying to um, trying to transform their economy 
to a zero emission uh, economy, and they're really and they're really struggling. I mean, really putting, really taxing their their uh, citizens. But just on the data alone, you, you had some very good charts. I, I encourage folks to go to Heartland.org, look up these presentations uh, that you guys did at the International uh, Climate Conference, and you just ran through the data. Uh, on on hurricanes, on tornadoes, on warming over the last, uh, not just over the last century, but uh, over the last several centuries, um, there, there's no there, there, there's no crisis there. Talk about the data that you presented. Yeah, if you look at any of the crises, the so-called crises that the media and the alarmists present, look at the data, and it's exactly the opposite. Anytime a hurricane strikes the Gulf Coast, we're told that global warming is to blame, and it's another sign of the crisis. But hurricanes didn't begin, they didn't first become created 100 years ago after SUVs and coal power plants. They've been around forever. And really, when you look at the data, it's quite clear that hurricane frequency and severity is declining decreasing as temperatures modestly warm. The same is true for tornadoes. The same is true for wildfires. Yes, the western United States, it's an arid place. It's an arid environment. Uh, forest fires, wildfires have always occurred. The media make it seem like every wildfire that occurs is the end of the world and caused by global warming. But NASA satellites have been measuring globally the amount of lands burned by wildfires. They've been doing this now for about 25 years. And what they show is that over that span, the amount of lands burned by wildfires has declined by 24% since the 1990s. And similar peer-reviewed studies show that uh, lands burned by wildfires were declining throughout the 20th century as temperatures warmed as well. So whatever the issue is, it's almost a certainty that the media is going to report one thing that's exactly the opposite of the facts. Yeah, you know, it's interesting how uh, society goes through uh, trends, certainly in the auto industry, uh, the early 1970s was a was a heavily regulated uh, time. Uh, Washington introduced the uh, introduced the CAFE laws that uh, that kind of forced manufacturers to uh, produce products um, that consumers didn't want. But over time, the consumer cycle uh, uh, did its thing, and and uh, consumers adopted SUVs and kind of got back to what they wanted. We're kind of going into a similar cycle now. Uh, looking, looking, um, look, looking more broadly than that, uh, society seems to kind of go through these uh, moral upheavals. You go back to the 1930s, and, um, and and during prohibition, and alcohol was blamed for for every trouble. And we kind of went through this cathartic uh, decade in which uh, alcohol had to be cleaned up. I, I wonder if something similar is going on right now. This is a, a cycle we're going through. Uh, for some reason, uh, governments have identified carbon as the core of all our troubles. Uh, do, do, do you see this as a phase? Well, you touch on a very good point because climate change, global warming, is to politicians and the environmental left what the dog ate my homework is to eighth graders. It's the excuse, the scapegoat upon which you blame your own failings. Uh, our current left-leaning government uh, is creating all sorts of problems. Energy prices are skyrocketing. Energy availability is threatened. Uh, we're looking at potential blackouts uh, many places throughout the country this year. We've got supply chain disruptions, et cetera, and you just blame it on global warming. Kamala Harris said the reason why we have 
uh, supply chain disruption is because of global warming, because of hurricanes in the Pacific Ocean. When you look at the actual data, uh, this has been a very quiet year for hurricanes in the Pacific Ocean. But you can just say global warming, and a compliant media will get right on board. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, just, it's astonishing the amount of lies that can be told and that the media doesn't fact check. Yeah, it's an interesting crutch. And, uh, and again, you go back, uh, I, I feel like we're kind of going to our second uh, prohibition period here because you go back to the 1920s as the prohibition movement was uh, going on. And a lot of the rhetoric around alcohol prohibition sort of echoes the carbon uh, prohibition uh, you hear today. A lot of... Uh, a lot of data that's uh, that's thrown around that's really supported more by moral uh, outrage than it is by uh, scientific uh, fact. Um, yep. One of the, one of the premier climatologists in in the world is Richard Lindzen. Uh, Lindzen says if you regulate CO2, you regulate life. Uh, Germany is trying to do that. Germ Germany is is essentially putting in place. Um, um, uh, the Green New Deal that's being discussed right now in Washington, uh, starting uh, not only not only uh, requiring zero emission vehicles, but also requiring zero emission energy with wind. Uh, you had a couple of presenters at the conference uh, that updated uh, folks on how Germany's going, what, uh, doing what's going on over there. Yeah, that's the European Institute for Climate and Energy. Uh, Holger Fuss and Wolfgang Muller are the folks who run it. And uh, they pointed out, for example, that because of Germany's fanatic uh, uh, disabling of coal power plants, replacing primarily with wind power, uh, Germany right now has electricity prices that are three and a half times higher than what we have in the United States. Uh, we already know just, just during the past year we've seen gasoline prices double throughout the country. The same is going to happen with electricity prices if the environmental left follows through with their uh, plan to replace conventional energy with wind and solar. So Germans have, have felt, the, felt the brunt of this. And by the way, the asserted reason why they're doing it, did you know that polar bears, for example, poster child for global warming, we have more polar bears than have ever been measured. Also, coral reefs. We hear about how global warming is destroying the Great Barrier Reef. The Australian Ministry of Environment this summer did a survey of the Great Barrier Reef, as they do every year, and they found that there are more coral in the Great Barrier Reef now than has ever been measured. It's amazing how, once again, the, the reasons, the asserted justifications for these skyrocketing prices and limited energy availability and transformation in our society, not only are they not true, but the exact opposite is happening. As the world warms, the world is becoming better for human health and welfare, and it's benefiting ecosystems around the globe. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, yeah globally, it's uh, yeah, it is an extraordinary time uh, uh, economically, and and uh, the yeah, the tools that we have. It's uh, yeah, it's sort of a shame that people have to drive crises all the time. But what we're seeing in Germany, to your point, is you're actually now starting to see uh, the real effects of these regulations. Consumers are are feeling the pain. Three and a half. Uh, Energy prices three and a half times what they are in the United States. That's a big bite out of folks' wallet. Here, the climate agenda in Washington seems to be stalled for the same reason that uh, Senator Manchin in West Virginia has constituents who are going to lose their jobs if this regulate if these regulations go through. I mean, natural gas and coal are primary employers in places like West Virginia, Pennsylvania. Um, 
why aren't why aren't there more Senator Mansions out there? Because uh, it's not just those two states that produce a lot of carbon-based jobs. Well, I think there are going to be a lot more Senator Mansions out there 13 months from now after the next elections. Uh, because unfortunately, and I really don't care whether it's an R or a D after your name for which party you're in, but unfortunately, uh, the Democratic Party that's that's controlling Congress right now is populated largely by uh, by leftist environmental extremists that are restricting energy choices, that are discouraging our most efficient and affordable energy sources. And uh, Joe Manchin in West Virginia, um, he, he, I'll tell you what, he's going to have a hard time uh, uh, getting reelected regardless, but especially if he doesn't stand up firm against these uh, draconian uh, programs and restrictions sought by the environmental left. I suspect that uh, even though it's a very difficult map, Senate map for Republicans next year, they're defending a lot more seats and they have opportunities to gain. I'd be surprised if they didn't gain at least a couple seats, perhaps more, simply because the environmental left has way overplayed its hand. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm from West Virginia. I'm a West Virginia boy. Uh, when I grew up there 30 years ago, I mean, there there was no no bluer state in the in the union. Uh, you know, it's a it's union country. Uh, you know, I had mine workers. I think we were one of three uh, states that voted for uh, uh, voted for um, Dukakis in 1988. Uh, that, to- that that state has totally flipped in the last uh, 30 years uh, because of this issue. Yeah, yeah, and um, and the Democratic Party has abandoned its blue collar working class base. It's become a party of coastal elites and then racial division, unfortunately. And uh, that doesn't leave much room for folks who used to consider, and actually used to be true, that the Republican Party was the party of the country club Republicans, basically uh, business over over not only just workers, but, uh, but economic health in the country as a whole. And a lot has changed since then. And, uh, and, yeah. and having a lot more populism that's transforming uh, who identifies with what party. Well, James, uh, we we uh, appreciate appreciate having you on the program as always, but really appreciate this uh, this climate conference you guys hold every year. Um, uh, just finished in Las Vegas, the 14th annual. Folks can find uh, find everything I think they need at Heartland dot org uh, um, if they want to go back and watch that conference. Would that be is that the best place to go? Yes, indeed, Heartland dot org and also climateconference dot dot org. Yeah, it's good stuff. James Taylor, president of the Heartland Institute, thanks for joining us as always. Thank you, Henry. All right, we're going to take a break here at the top of the hour and hear from our sponsors. And on the other side, we got some Best of Car Radio coming your way. You're on 910 AM, the Superstation.
following message has been brought to you by the doctors of Horsley Foot and Ankle. Thick, dark fungus nails? We treat that. Those hideous bunions and hammer tones? We treat that. What about those thick corns and calluses? We treat that too. I suffer from foot pain and heel pain. We treat that. Even falls, breaks, and sprains? We most definitely treat that. Let the board certified podiatrists of Horsley Foot and Ankle Surgeons treat all your foot and ankle needs. Call us today at 248-559-5200. That's 248-559-5200. Horsey Foot and Ankle is Metro Detroit's premier foot and ankle specialist. Make your appointment today. Call 248-559-5200. Diabetic feet? We treat that. Painful legs and cramps? We treat that. Numbness and tingling? We treat that too. Horsey Foot and Ankle treats it all. Make your appointment today. Call 248-559-5200. Come on down to Furniture Depot where we have the lowest prices in town. Check out our furniture, rugs, speakers, bed, home decor, and more. We have financing available, same-day pickup, and no waiting on deliveries. With everything in stock, Furniture Depot offers a five-year warranty with layaway available. We will deliver and set up, and you can get a gift with every purchase. We're open seven days a week. Contact us at 734-744-7791, extension number one. We're located at 27500 Schoolcraft Road in Livonia, Michigan, 48150. Come to Furniture Depot today. 910 AM Superstation has the greatest advertising deal ever with our Godfather package. 200 spots for $500 with a must-air-within-30-day policy. That is only $2.50 per spot, and we will even produce the spots free. That's right, free. Call Ronisha Williams now at 313-434-8291. Hi, this is Regina Ross, your Neighborhood Black Club Cheer, with the Neighborhood Update of Events. There are many cancer awareness events, COVID explanation, abusive women conference,